All right, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Lionheart Radio with your host, Rick Alexander. Today I'm chatting with my buddy, Mark Crandall. Mark, thanks for being on. Thanks for having me, man. It's uh, This is one of my one of my favorite places to go. It's like I didn't even wipe my feet on the mat this time. I just kind of walked in the house and sat down. Yeah, right? There's normally a little bit of handshaking. This time we're just jumping into it. So you have released a new book. Are we calling it a new book? Yeah, I mean it's yeah, it's I redid I completely redid the first the the first book that I did and added 37,000 new words, yeah. Oh, it's a new book. So, what I, I kind of want to start there because I'm in the process of writing a book right now, hopefully going to finish it in the next like week or two. Um, but man, I I had plans on finishing it back when we had spoken last time in Australia, and then I thought I was going to finish it again in January and here we are in April. And what I found to be is writing a book is like it is the most intellectually exhausting exercise I could possibly take on because you sort of you're stretching your capacity to believe things in different ways. And as you do that, you learn things that like might make what you wrote before not as true. And so it's kind of like it's this really weird tweaking process. And so the only reason I'm asking you that is like, did you write this first one? And then you were like, man, I don't know that the story is there. Or what was it that pushed you to dive back into the hell of writing a book? Yeah, well, it's funny because I'm already about to dive into the next hell of writing my third book. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, thought leaders like us will will never stop. Yeah, so when I released when I released my first book, Eulogy of Childhood Memories, it was super incomplete. And I knew that, like, I guess subconsciously I knew that, but intellectually I was like, oh, yes, it's going it, to, this thing's going to take off. And you know, you have to keep the hope alive or you'll never actually hit publish on a book. I mean, you know that it's just if you want to tap into limiting beliefs and really go to war with who you are, not who you're pretending to be, mm. pretending to be, but actually who you are, publish a book um, or write a book because you're going to go up, you're going to go to battle. And so when I was finished the first book and I just hit publish and just like sent it out to the world. The editing process wasn't professional. The cover wasn't professional. Like I was just like, I got to get this out there. There was a lot of fears around what my biological parents were going to think of it. And were, was I going to get sued? Could I get sued even though I changed the names and like all of these fears. And so I just hit publish and I just let it ride and I let it ride and I promoted it for about a month and then I let it fall off. And one of my mentors stated that you should never put anything out into the out into the world. You should never produce any content or release any content that you're not willing to promote for 10 years. And it really I just got goosebumps when I said that. But it like really hit me hard because I, I wasn't even willing to promote that past a month. And so. I just let it ride and I started doing, I mean, you know, I started the Purpose Chasers podcast and the Purpose Chasers Academy and like everything. And I just started coaching and I got sidetracked and like the book was just kind of this thing that I did before. And then I had a buddy, Brian, read the book and I sent him a copy of it and he goes, dude, this is the most epic story I've ever read. One, two, even at the end of the book, I still felt like you should die like your story, like as your story went on, I just felt like you should die, like you were going to die. And he, and he said, three, the book is incomplete. You need to finish it. And I was like, well, what do you, what do you mean by that? 
And he's like, dude, I got to the end of your book and felt like you should still be, you should have died. Like, he's like, it's fucked up how you ended that book. Like it just, you, you shouldn't be here. And so I, I got to thinking about it. And at the time I was working on book two, which I was going to, I was going to title uh, the difference between being a victim and playing one, which happens to be the subtitle of, of this, you know, my new release. And I was writing it and it, and I was writing it and I was writing it and, and the day that he said that to me, whatever, I think I went, I did a CrossFit workout, came home, jumped in the shower, and I was just like sitting with it. You know, when you have somebody who's pretty in, impactful in your life, it'd kind of be like you if you just drop something in a call and it really hit me. And I'd be like, wow, you know, I ponder it. Like I would sit with it. Like your words mean something to me. You know what I mean? And I was just sitting with what he said. And I was in the shower, which a lot of my amazing ideas form. I was in the shower and I take cold showers and like the cold water hit me. And it was like in the instant that the water shocked my body, I was like, oh, my God, this is both. This is one book. This is what was supposed to be completed. But had I not released the first part, I would have never gotten to where I am now with the second part. And then how do I mend them all together and how do I enhance the first part? And it's just like that's. 42 days later, I had a draft over to an editor and that was bam. That. That Damn. Was All right. So I didn't, I don't know that I saw the conversation go this way, but I want to just break into a couple of things that you said there. First of all, I think that's the best line I've ever heard in my life about writing a book. You said, um, if you want to go to war with who you really are, not who you pretend to be, write a book. And I just feel like because for some reason, your thoughts, when you write them and then you read them back to yourself, if they're bullshit, you know right away. Like it's got to be the deepest, truest sense of who you are. Otherwise, you will never be happy with it and you'll never promote it. I mean, ex yeah, especially when you're doing like you and I, right? Like you're, I know you, like you've become a friend of mine. So like I know you're a thought leader. I would consider you a thought leader, not a leader because I believe that a lot of uh, so-called thought leaders lack thought. But you're a thought leader, so I know in your writing, your motive is to produce lasting transformation in somebody else. And when you're doing that, there's so much content out there that the idea of original thought is not a thing, right? That's a that's it's not reality. There is no original thought, but there is original insight, mm. right? And so. I have to battle with myself and be like, oh, well, that's Freud's work or that's Jung's work or that, you know what I mean? Like I'm reading, I'm reading the meditations of Marcus Aurelius right now. Right. And it's like, or yeah, whatever. I don't want to name off any other th of my favorite thought leaders, but it's like, those are, it's their work. It's their work. It's their work. And so you're constantly in battle with like, is, am I presenting too much of their work? Is my insight actually in this or am i i don't want to name call anyone out on your show but like or am i regurgitating this the same as so and so has right and there's a lot of that out there you know like right. there's a lot of thought leaders that are just regurgitating what they've heard and i don't want to be that that person and i've had some people that i really respect read through it and, and, and tell me that it's, you know, straight gas. And I'm just, yeah, yeah. I'm excited because you know, the, the first people that I had read it, 
I don't, I didn't send it to the co-signers, right? So my mom would have read it and she'd been like, oh my God, that was just like the most, you're so powerful. Right. No, I sent it to the people that would be like, hey, asshole, that wasn't a good book. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. It's so important to have those people too. (laughs) So important. Yeah, no, I love that. I think you have to really guard yourself against, um, you have to really guard yourself against being just like a, a carbon copy of, the things that are in your life because, you know, just because you see something and just because it resonates, you know, the two things that we know that will make somebody believe something is if you, one, ground it in per, in uh, reason so that they can see logically why you said it, and two, if it's uh, coded in a poetic explanation. Like, if you have those two things, anybody will believe what you're saying or, or most people are going to be inclined to believe it. And so you always, I think, as the person, you know, doing whatever, and this is not for just people writing a book, people just going through life. You know, you have to kind of just be vigilant to make sure that like this wasn't presented in a way that made you drop all else and and just go that way. It's like you're always you have to be like testing your ideas in the arena and like trying to like really push yourself and ask yourself like, this, does this even make sense for what I'm trying to do or the situation that I'm in or based on the, the experiences that I've had. But I know in the last episode that we did on Lionheart Radio, we did get a lot into the motivation space and about how people uh, people essentially are just always propagating and regurgitating the same information. And that's why like I try not to share a lot of like memes and stuff on Instagram. Like almost everything I put out there is original just because I it unless it's like real good and it gets to me, just because I think there is such a there's such a propensity for people to do that in our space, but pre-show you were me and you you were in pre-show you and I were talking and you were talking about this idea that no one lacks actual motivation, and uh, I think that's a good that's a good place to jump off from where we started left off our last call. Yeah, and so I'm going to get fired up for the sake of your of your listeners because this is something that's like pissed me off for a long time. And I, I mean, I've been obsessed with transformational work for the past 12 years and I've devoted my life to it. So I will continue to shut off from the world and, and, and disappear like Rick and go write books and, you know, get super intellectual and philosophical. And there's a lot of hype out there and a lot of individuals in the self-help world that are really pushing the idea of motivation and no one lacks it. So let me ask you, I'll, I want to ask your listeners, if you lacked motivation, would you start all of the things that you do in life? No, you wouldn't. If you lacked motivation, you wouldn't fucking do things, right? But we as humans start 1,500 things and finish two or three, and then we're told and we tell ourselves and society tells us that we lack motivation, No. Why did you stop doing the thing that you wanted to do? What you actually lack is the belief in yourself to fulfill on the things that you want to create in life. And that is what I really, really pound home and embrace your past win your future. It's like if you really want to win at life, you need to put more energy into believing in yourself, loving yourself. You know, that's one of the reasons why and, you know, not to you know, give Glassman another plug, but that's one of the reasons why I love CrossFit because I know for a fact that I can take a, I can intellectually take a marker, write some just hell on a whiteboard in five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes later, 
I'm in my head going, what the fuck did I just sign up for? Like whose idea was it to take this easy AMRAP and put a fucking vest on? Right. Like, why did I do that? And like, like that's what we're all up against in life. So just like thinking about a situation in which you jumped into it, thought it was a great idea. And then at some point your mind said, this is a horrible idea. You can stop. And then your mind will also co-sign why it's okay for you to stop. And then we live in such a sensitive coddling world that individuals around you are going to be like, well, at least you tried. Right. No, no, fuck that. (laughs) Right. It's like, you don't lack motivation. You lack the belief in yourself. You know, I think about the episode that I did with you on purpose chasers and to, to this day, it's my favorite episode. Like I'm not just, you know, for those of you listening, like I'm not just, you know, giving, giving Rick a pat on the back here. It's my favorite episode. And there's one part of the episode where you're talking about doing your, doing the ultra, one of the ultras that you did and how you were like, your kidneys were failing and you were fucking gurgling blood and spitting it where you knew no one could see you. And I'm like, dude, right. It's like, that's how I want to live life. And and for your listeners, like, I don't want to be gurgling blood and like, you know, that's not what I'm saying, but I want to be living life with the, with the mindset of no, I'm not quitting. You got this, like, go do it. And yeah. And I just, you know, if you've ever been told that you lack motivation, I would just challenge you to really evaluate that because I don't, I don't believe it. I mean, I say the same thing at my keynotes and I had some people at the last, uh, speech that I gave or talk that I gave come up to me and, and kind of contest what I said. And after I got them to a place of being open to evaluate their life, which most people are not, they were able to see that they didn't actually lack motivation. They didn't actually lack motivation. They lacked what we call in society of self-esteem. And the only way to gain self-esteem is to do esteemable things and go against what your mind is telling you. So if you want to gain confidence in yourself, you need to take actions against what your mind is telling you and disprove your thoughts and right. get away from individuals that are going to hold you and say, oh, Rick, at least you tried to finish that ultra. You got 75 miles in. You're so good at life. Right. No, you need individuals around you going, dude, okay, let's evaluate. What happened? Where did you fall short? What happened in your mind? What were you telling yourself? What was the, what was the, the phrase that was like driving your brain to quit? Hmm. Like, let's evaluate that, pick that apart, and then shoot again. And now we know where your stopping point is. Yeah. I know I just went on a rant, but. No, I love it. So I want to break it down. So the what I want to start with, though, is this idea that, like, you talk about embracing your past, and then you also talk about, like, building a case for yourself and and, uh, and, and this self-belief. But a lot of times this lack of self-belief does come from our past. And so how do you reconcile these things? Because that's what I think people are – any limited belief that people have, it's just a mo- it's a pattern that's been ingrained in them from their past, almost always. Totally, and for you know, for the, your listeners that didn't listen to our first episode or your two episodes, I think I've only released one of your two episodes at the time of this recording. But we're gonna keep. I think we're gonna keep going on each other's podcasts, and I think there's something more blossoming. But well, the universe will decide. 
But so for you, those of you who don't know my story, like I was taken by the state at three years old. I was handcuffed, locked in a closet, burned with cigarettes. My mom smoked crack. My sister was born prematurely with cerebral palsy. I became a psychopath at the age of seven. I had all the traits of a serial killer. I was killing animals, setting fires, assaulting people. I was placed in group homes, became addicted to drugs, went homeless my senior year in high school, stayed homeless for about four years, went to prison. Got high the whole time I was in prison, came out, found transformational works, like not just one path, but like became obsessed and collecting a ton of them. And yeah, just became, just became absolutely obsessed with transformational work. And here's what I found. So I had my whole life had individuals around me that like, when I say, you know, Rick didn't flinch. For those of you who aren't, you know, I guess he doesn't give you access to the video. Maybe he'll put a clip up on IG or something. But he didn't flinch when I shared that, right? Those are the individuals that I have in my corner because we all have fucked up things, right? Every single, I don't care who you are, like you have something that like in your mind, you've created a story about who you are as a result of the thing that happened, right? So I was locked in a closet. And so, um, you know, the stories that I created were, and you know, you can get deeper. I go real deep into this. I go really, really far into the internal dialogue in my book, but like, I'm unlovable. Everyone who's ever said they love me throws me away. Um, I deserve to be abused, you know, like all of the, all of the shit that came up, you know, and then you have like, um, you know, I'm a ward of the state. I'm adopted. I have six felonies on my record. So now I'm a convicted felon. Well, convicted felons don't get to live good lives. And I'm also, you know, in recovery. So, you know, I was at one point I was a junkie and a thief and a liar. And like what happens to individuals with traumatic pasts is not the actual thing. Like the hindrance is not the actual thing that happened. And so if you have trauma, which we all do of some, some form, it just like, you know, I didn't, you know, I didn't engage in combat, so I don't have Rick's trauma. You know what I mean? Rick wasn't fucking handcuffed and locked in a closet at three. So he doesn't have that trauma, but both of us have created stories about who we are as a result of that situation. And we live in a society that feeds off that. So what happens to me is I get a reward from playing the victim. So keeps you Rick, safe. Yeah, Rick goes, "Oh shit, man, that's fucked up. I can't believe that happened to you, you poor kid. That should never happen to anyone." And so what happens to me is I need to continue to intensify the story to gain what I used to get off of Rick's reaction or society's reaction. So I continue to embellish or lie about the story. And as I do this through 20 years, 24 years, whatever the time frame is, I think it was like 24 years of story creating, I continue to embellish and embellish and embellish. And now the thing that happened to me isn't even the thing that's creating the reaction. It's all the embellishments that I've created around the thing that happened. And as a result of that, I've created subconscious stories about who I am and what I'm capable of as a result of something I have no fucking control over. 
right? So yeah, like people live in their past and that's why I say embrace your past. And, you know, in, in part two of the book, I, re- I give step-by-step directions of how anyone can dismantle the house that they're living in that they call their mind and rebuild that shit, right? So it's like, if you don't want to play the victim anymore, you don't want to be trapped by your limiting beliefs, which most humans are, you need to start back at those places. Like, oh shit. Okay, so when I was, I remember the Christmas that I went over to my biological mom's house and I remember asking her for the candy. I remember her freaking out, her boyfriend freaking out. He placed handcuffs on me and put me in a closet. That's what happened. I created so much shit afterwards Mm. that I really forgot what happened. And what happened is that nothing more, nothing less. But I have made it this massive thing. That's and, like an attack on who you were as a person and all this shit, right? And you just trap yourself yeah. in with a, that narrative. I'm worthless. I deserve the abuse. Felons, you know, I just spoke to a bunch of felons and like they were like, they couldn't move, right? They couldn't squirm anywhere because here I was with, I was them living the same belief systems that they're currently living in. And I told them, like, if you don't want to go back to prison, you need to quit being a victim. You need to quit the society wronged me. This happened. This is who I am as a result of what happened and embellishments and living the like you like you have to break away. But our society has and for your audience, I'm also a, you know, a therapist. I hold two licenses, so I'm not just like speaking out of turn Now, our society has created this blanket called trauma and really made it okay for individuals to just cocoon themselves in this blanket and just be coddled. And don't get me wrong. If shit happened to you, like that fucking sucks. Mm. But what I'm here to tell you is you can break free of that shit. Yeah, that's going to be some of the hard. It's going to be the hardest journey you've ever engaged because you're going to have to go against everything that you think you are. Everything that you think you are. That is like that's the thing, right? That's why that's what makes escaping that narrative so hard because it, it is everything that you think you are. And so what it feels like to a lot of people when you try to start changing that narrative, it, it, it just feels like you're lying to yourself and your true self is like, yeah, fuck face. But you know who you really are. Like, you know, this, you know what I mean? And so, and so that I think it's so deeply held that belief, but, but then, you know, it's that Shakespeare quote, right? There is no right or wrong, but thinking makes it so. And it's like, you are assigning what you think to that narrative. I heard Eckhart, Eckhart Tolle, that guy, I heard him say it really well. Uh, I don't get into a lot of his stuff, but I was just listening to a random talk of his and he was talking about the moment that he changed his narrative and how he had like he was homeless and it had this like really terrible past and he'd gone through this enlightening experience and he's sitting on a bench and he's like, yeah, but so what is the real narrative right now? And he's like, well, you're a human and you're breathing and you're sitting on a park bench. That's not so bad. Like, is that the worst place to be? And it's like, damn. And, and you really, that perspective, it, it's everything, right? That is how you rewrite the, your story going forward. It's just that you're really competing with who you really believe that you are in order to do that. I mean, there's, you have like think and grow rich. You have the law of attraction. Like you have all of these books that are like 
in the world for us to explore, to go against what we've been telling ourselves that we are. And if you look at the religions of the world, which we've ripped on, I think we've done it a couple of times now, right? Which is like the deep thought is lacking spiritual practices and spiritual beliefs and insights, right? If you look at all of those teachings, they all stem to nothing. Like the Buddha, the Buddha, right? So like mindfulness, Christianity, like it all points to nothing. The here and now, like the, like the reference that you just made, I'm a human breathing on a bench. Anything else is story that he's creating. Mm. Like it's narrative that he's creating. Like the greatest thought leaders in the world got it. Got it. If you wanted, they got it. Like they truly got it. Right. But like our society is now like chasing Tony Robbins and like all these rah, rah gurus that are like spewing from the hilltops, all of this like shit that send people down rabbit holes when it's really, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. There's like perks to all of this journey, but like the true, the true work is really like what you just said. Like getting, getting there and being like, okay, what's really going on right now? Nothing. <laughs> Dude, all the shit that I just created and I'm made up about everything that's happening. Like none of that, none of that shit matters. Yeah. You're just sitting there. That's it. Like, and that's the thing I always want to say to people is like, man, would it change anything if I gave you the choice? You know, like going forward. Cause it, cause that's, that's essentially what's happening, right? You just are given the choice. You're just choosing to live in, in what's happened and and so you don't you've walled yourself in with choice doesn't feel like you actually have one but i think that i'm learning more and more in my own experience in my own journey that you know there's almost nothing that's ever wrong with the moment and so all everything that is wrong with your life either comes from something that's already happened so it's in the past or or the fear of something that could happen or the speculation of something that could happen but if you always lean into the moment, if you're always right there right now, if you if you be where you are, there's almost never anything wrong. Well, who was it? I'm um, trying to think of the of the quote. I really feel like it was one of the Beatles. It might have been John Lennon. I I forget. Anyways, but it's the quote is I think it is. It's uh, living is easy with eyes wide shut, misunderstanding all you see. Right. Like I've sat with that thing multiple times. Mm. Right. So it's like you look at anyone and there's like, all right. So if you stand up right now for your audience, your listeners, and you go look in the mirror, do you, are you having a good day? Or are you having a bad day? Or does any of that matter? Right. Are you fat? Are you in shape? Like what day is it? Right. Cause we all flip flop. We yeah. all go like, I don't care how good a shape you are. Like we're all like, fuck, dude, I got to hit cardio. I got to get on the rower today. Or like I shouldn't have ate those tacos last night or, or whatever. Maybe you're having a, a great day where you're like, damn, look at my abs. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're having one of those days. But it's like, how are you viewing it today? In our minds, in our society, our society has ingrained in us to draw a conclusion and run with the conclusion. But what does it look like to stop and pause and really reflect before making a decision of what mental direction you want to head down? Yeah, man, that's it's it's hard to. So it's like some of these things that we're talking about right now, they're they sound even cliche. Right. And that's because they are true. It's hard to have those thoughts and have them with authority. 
like enough authority to make you change a behavior. And so when you look at your own journey and the things that you've gone through and you found this transformational work and you started like, okay, realizing who you wanted to be, uh, was there a backslide? Was there, was there ever a moment where you fell off? Well, I still don't think I know where I'm trying to be. Right. And I don't even think you meant to say that. Right. I just it's when I when I'm getting stuck on where I'm going or or what's what's happening, it's because I'm viewing what I'm up to as a destination versus a journey. Right. So I continue to evolve. I think that's why you and I like clicked up and, you know, talk on a regular basis. It's because like we're continuing to evolve and when I put a destination on it, that's where I get stuck. That's where I get trapped. That's where I start comparing myself to, oh man, like, you know, I wish one day the Purpose Chasers Academy will be, you know, as big as, as Rick's Academy. And, you know, maybe I should join the Clarity Academy so that I can like spy on what he's doing in there. And like, you know what I mean? Like just the, just the, the comparison stuff. But I would say, Here's the biggest the biggest thing that I'm having right now. So I have a couple friends that are, have become pretty successful in business and I'm watching them step on their own values and principles for the sake of a cash grab. Mm. I don't ever want to do that, Rick. And okay. that's that's not to say that I'm immune to it. I believe that every man or woman has a price for their integrity. I just haven't seen the check get cut yet. Yeah. You know, it's just like, <laughs> I just haven't seen it. And you can be as, you can be as like value proud as you want, but I've seen some really, really good men and women step on their own principles for a couple zeros or more than a couple zeros. But you know what I mean? I just haven't seen the check get cut. And you know, the last, through the writing of this, the finishing of this book and the writing of it, like my mentors have changed. Um, I've had a I had a falling out with a couple of my mentors where I watched them step on their own values. And I would say that's the falling, the falling back is like, right. So it's a Sun Tzu quote. I'm just I'm like, we might as well keep this like super philosophical for your listeners. If they're listening to you, they're used to it. So it's, you know, a wise man learns from his own mistakes, but a genius learns from the mistakes of others. And I just love that quote so much. And so when I'm comparing myself to these friends that are doing things that make me uncomfortable, what I'm really asking myself right now, because I truly believe that this, this book is going to blow, Rick. Like, I truly believe that it's going to. The individuals that have read it have had massive transformation as a result of it. Mm-hmm. And I have to stop and like really, really evaluate who the fuck are you, Mark? Right? Like, who are you? What are you doing? What do you align with? And keep individuals like you around me. So that's the. I guess, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to answer this. So this is what's coming to me. It's come to me a couple of times. So I guess one, to answer your question, really, truly, outside of the philosophical shit that I just gave, is I've stepped on my own worth a few times um, throughout this, this process. And what I mean by that is I charge less than I'm worth for coaching. 
I make deals with friends and it never feels good mm-hmm. uh, because I know the value that I'm about to give them and I'm making a deal with them because I'm questioning my own value as it relates to them, as it relates to our friendship, if that makes any sense. It doesn't work. People do that a lot. People do that a lot. It doesn't work. And the only way that you're really going to, that I'm, that I'm finding, I'm not going to talk to, I'm not going to preach. The only way that I'm finding to really step into my value is to continue to level up what I'm worth. Right? So what I've found recently is I have a minimum rate and that's my, what I call my friend rate for coaching. That's for coaching. That's the minimum that I'll take. And then I have what I charge. And that's it. You know, my mentor, Hal Elrod says, um, I either do it for free or I do it for full price. Mm. Anything in between doesn't work. Right. So if I do it for, you know, if I'm doing it for half price, the whole time I'm there, I'm thinking about the time he's thinking about the time that he's not spending with his family. If he's doing it for free, he's serving. If he's doing it for full price, the it's an arrangement, an agreement, and it's met, and he's showing up, and they're paying, and it's 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 just a deal. But like you're either doing it for free or you're doing it for full price. You just said that at a, a mastermind that I attended, and it just really, really hit me, really hit me. A lot of awakenings. Really, it's like guests on my podcast. When I started, I would let Joe and Sally come on and talk about selling Girl Scout cookies. Now I only want individuals that are that are next level on my podcast. Yeah. I've turned three, three people down this week, you know, and what I need to create is like a vetting, a screening process. Like you got to fill this, this and this out and kind of buffer myself out of that, but really stepping up my level and it's easy. It's like that water seeks its own level, right? So it's easy. It's easy to play with uh, the individuals that are sandbagging a workout that are, that are not going hard at a workout. It's like easy to hang out with them. It's difficult to walk over to the people that are training like they're, you know, like they're trying to feel death at the end of it. That's hard. Mm. You know, cause that means you're, you're about to step into the deep end. You're about to enter the Thunderdome, right? It's like shit's about to get real. I, that's the shit that I'm trying to get. And so really leveling up my circle of influence, some relationships have shifted. It's hard. Yeah. One thing, you know, that's, I think, worth mentioning is, well, I really like that you talk about stepping on your own value because I think whether you're a coach or you're just a human going through life, you are constantly stepping on your own value and, and undervaluing what you're worth. And and obviously that a lot of times comes from that narrative that you have in your head, which is I'm only worth this much. And it's like you could literally change your entire worth by changing that narrative. Uh, but the other thing I want to say that mention is like you talked about like people selling out, quote unquote. Uh you know, one thing I'll say, because I have experience in this, is that um, you'll only do it once. If you're like a, at, at least for me, like that's been my experience. So like getting, I wanted to get out of the military. I wanted to run my own business. Like I had all of these dreams for a life I wanted that was more in line with my values. And they said, yeah, but it's $100,000 to do three more years tax-free. And so for me, who grew up without money and, and didn't come from money or whatever, for me, like that amount of money was my number. I was like, okay, yep, I'll do that. And it, and I was just telling my roommates about this. I reenlisted. I got, you know, this big bonus, whatever. From the time I got the bonus to the time I completely hated who I was, it was six days. 
That's how long it took for that money to not mean a fucking thing to me. And uh, yeah. I, I remember being like, no, hold on. Six days, dude. I got three years left. What do you mean? And it's like, <laughs> dude, you, you'll only fuck that up one time. And so when I was getting out again, they were like, people were like kind of just making hypotheticals, you know, and they're like, yeah, but a million dollars. I'm like, I'm telling you, dude, you'll do it one time and then you'll realize what, how little that means. And then, you know, the converse of that, and this is, I think, really good for anyone listening, is like, the one thing that we know that gives your life a sense of meaning is when you live within your own value set. So like, if you live out of alignment with your values, no matter what they are, you know, like, because a lot of times people try to adopt values that they think are important, like altruistic values or whatever. But if you don't value it, then you don't value it. Like, that's how you're hardwired. So if you live within your value set, then uh, your life will feel like it has meaning. And no, no amount of money will fill that meaning if that's not a value for you. So I would just say like, yeah, I do believe you. Uh, I think everybody definitely has their point. And I also think you can only feel that emptiness one time before you're like, never want to feel it again. Yeah, but I would, I would go on, I would challenge you to say that you're a rare breed. I would say you can only feel that once, but some people, a lot of individuals that I know never come out. Mm. That's interesting. You know, you know, it's it's literally like it's like quicksand, right? You remember in the old TV shows in quicksand, that the individuals that stood still could get out, but the individuals who flailed, <laughs> their heads sunk, right? And it's like some people flail and they play in that, and then others like you take a look at it and like, oh, six days in, this money didn't work. Okay, not doing this again. Like. Some people don't make it out. Some people just continue to step on their own values and just continue to get weirder and weirder and weirder and weirder. Yeah. I would I would go on a limb to say that you're a rare breed. And for any of your audience that are listening that have experience, you should definitely hit Rick up and jump into his into the Clarity Academy and find out what the hell he did because he's talking as if everyone experiences this, but he's a rare breed. Mm, <laughs> not ever not everyone does. <laughs> All right, I'll accept that. Yeah. All right. <laughs> So, all right, one thing I wanted to get to um, toward toward the end here is, you know, if you think about everybody that's listening to this show, like what, let me ask you this, why did you want to write this book? Other than, uh, you know, other than the obvious reasons, which is like you're a thought leader and a writer and just you're doing it, but like, but like what's the deep why here? Um, I think traditional therapy is super outdated and not effective. I, I'm on a mission to change the way that our society views trauma and to empower trauma victims, the, the, uh, to empower them to have access to truly break free from their past. And, you know, as a therapist to say that, I believe that traditional therapy is, is outdated, like kind of, you know, I've taken some heat for saying that already, but I don't give a fuck. Right. I just, the knee to knee, let's talk about your problems is, is just not, it's not effective. Like if you truly, truly want to overcome your past as I have, you, you have to like what Rick was just sharing. Like you have to be like, okay, six days in, this ain't working. What do I have to do? Because I believe that individuals that talk about therapy view therapy as the solution. If I say nothing else on this podcast, let me say this. You're the fucking solution. Mm. You're the only one that can do the work. 
you're the only one that I, there's a joke I used to have in, in when I was in treatment uh, after after prison. And <coughs> my my therapist would say, um, I, I really would like to see or I re- would really like to be in your head. Mm-hmm. And I used to say to her, you better bring a SWAT team because you may not make it out. Right. And it's like, that's it. If you truly want to wake up, you better get ready to go into your mind with a SWAT team because you have so many living beliefs and so many cosigns from the world that like you just have to start dismantling it and questioning everything, everything that you think is real. Yeah. Hell yeah. I want to end it there. I love that. I think that that's probably it's exhausting. It's going to lead you down roads that you do not want to be down. And there's probably no more worthy way that you could spend your time. Mark Crandall, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, brother. I'll talk to you soon. Hey, real quick, though, uh, for people that are listening to this, because uh, I usually put this in at the end, where can people follow along with you and support your journey? Buy the book. Uh, yeah, markcrandall.net. Uh, there's a four-chapter free sneak peek right there on my website. You can jump in. I give you, if, if you really want to do the journey, I give you a, a, a guided death meditation exercise, which will really get you reflecting on what your purpose is. I give you access to that just for downloading the, the free four-chapter book. Awesome. We'll have that linked up in the show notes. So this time, Mark, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks for listening to Lionheart Radio. I hope that the information from today's show will make you fitter, happier, and healthier. For the show notes of this episode and every episode, head to www.lionheartrad.io. Yep, just like Lionheart Radio. And please, if you have the time, head over to iTunes and give us a five-star rating. It really helps us to know that we're on the right track and delivering you reliable information and value. As always, feedback is welcome. If you have any comments on the show or like to suggest a guest, send me an email at rick at That's L-U-A-V-I-V-E. Dot com. Thanks for your support, yeah. and we will see you next time. <sighs> Bitch, I feel good. Don't I look stupendous? My shine is so endless, and shit you can do to end this. Even when I'm dead, niggas still gon' bump that chip shit. Coke, white, escalate on cinches for you dipshit. So you won't forget this. Midwest, nigga, be